Welcome to SLP Money, an in-depth conversation for speech language pathologists and private practice owners on how to break through to the next level of your career and business. Join your host, Craig Goldslager, a financial advisor and certified exit planner, as he shares strategies and stories that will help you become more financially confident and better invest your time and money. You can learn more and stay up to date at utterlyfinancial.com. Hello, SLP Nation. My guest on today's episode is Susan Arnold, the owner of a successful private practice that has been in business for nearly 20 years. She's also the president of an association called APSPA. This organization was created to help SLPs like you and audiologists run their businesses better. In this episode, we talk about the role that communities have in your personal, professional, and business growth and development. As a certified orofacial myologist, she discusses the benefits of joining an organization that's devoted specifically to determining proper diagnosis and enhancing the research for these types of disorders. Similarly, as a business owner, she talks about having a trusted network of peers to collaborate and grow alongside with. We'll also dive a little deeper into Susan's team-based approach in two ways. First, on the clinical side, how she uses it to improve her clients' customer experiences, and then later, we'll talk about how she's assembled a business team to enhance her ability to run her business more optimally. And stay tuned to the end where Susan and I discuss three action items that all SLPs, whether you're a private practice owner or just completing your CFY, can take immediately to enhance your career. For all the show notes and links mentioned in today's episode, head on over to utterlyfinancial.com forward slash nine. And with that introduction, I hope you enjoy today's episode with our guest, Susan Arnold. Hello, and welcome to another episode of SLP Money. I'm joined today with Susan Arnold, the founder of Professional Speech Associates, a private practice located in Coral Springs, Florida. Susan and her team focus on providing treatment for orofacial myology disorders. She's also the current president of APSPA, which stands for the American Academy of Private Practice in Speech Pathology and Audiology. Susan, it's a pleasure to welcome you today. Thanks for having me here, Craig. Before we dive in, I'm really excited for today's episode because a theme that I've been hearing amongst a lot of SLPs is how important it is to be a part of a community. And I think you can provide an incredible perspective for learning alongside fellow SLPs and not just sitting through membership conferences and lectures from other professionals, but actually learning together. So before we get into your alphabet soup of associations and designations, can you share with me a little bit about your background and what made you want to become a speech language pathologist? I always growing up knew I wanted to get into some sort of a healthcare field, you know, helping people. There was a time I really thought I was going to go into nursing and then somewhere along the way I got to college and I just found out about speech pathology and I was like, wait a minute, that sort of just clicked. And there was some sort of a calling for me um, to do that. And from the moment I started, you know, learning more about it and getting into it, I've never turned back. I mean, it's always just been like, wow, this is what's for me. I love the fact that it's so many diverse populations you can work with. You can work with adults, you can work with kids, you can work with babies, you can do feeding, you can work with nursing home, hospital. I've just always loved the ability to work with a variety of patients. Although I think that we all sort of have our little niche and we all sort of focus on an area, you know, that we tend to like best. And, you know, that's what I've done too, but it's nice to know that I have some background in a variety of areas. And where did you get your degree from and where did you do your CFY? So I got my master's degree from Brooklyn College um, in Brooklyn, New York. 
and I actually came down to Florida to do my CFY. It's now, it's not even called Health South anymore. It's called Encompass, but at the time it was called something else. It was like the Sunrise Rehab Hospital. So that was many years ago, but that also gave me the opportunity doing my CFY. I worked with both adults and pediatrics, brain injuries and stroke patients. Just it was near drownings, a huge variety of patients. So it really exposed me to a lot. That's great. So you went through CFY, you worked with all these different populations and experienced what you liked and what you didn't like. And share with us what made you end up focusing on orofacial myophology. I've always had, I always said I wanted to work with pediatrics and like all through school, all my supervisors were like, don't make that decision yet. Don't make that decision yet. So it was nice to be able to work with different populations. And my focus was always either pediatrics or acute care in the hospitals. And in, with both, I did a lot with feeding. So I've spent many years doing feeding therapy, oral motor therapy with babies, with adults, doing video swallows and stuff at the hospital. So it became somehow my niche, helping people in those areas. I saw results. And I would say probably a little more than 10 years ago, somebody, another therapist who was an oral facial myologist um, found me and said, hey, I think this is something that might really interest you. So I did start looking um, into that a little bit more. And I was like, wait a minute, this all really fits together with everything that I've done all along, you know, working on oral motor, working on feeding, it just sort of just seemed to be the next step for me to go. So I did get my certification um, in orofacial myology. So let's talk a little bit about the certification, the COM. That's issued through the IAOM, the International Association of Orofacial Myology. Correct. What did that certification do for your career or how did it change your perspective on those type of disorders? It made me look at every patient differently. You know, even when you're just working with a patient who has an articulation issue in the past, I used to look at it one way. Now I look at the entire oral musculature. What can I do to help with those areas of weakness that will in turn improve the swallow, improve the speech sounds. Um, it's just been a whole new way of looking at things. One of the things we do a lot in my practice is everybody has a different area that we know that they specialize in and we really try to match a patient with the therapist who specializes in that. So if somebody comes in and they have fluency issues, voice issues, augmentative communication devices, we really try to match them with that therapist. So we've been able to, yes, we can cover for each other. Yes, we can all see different types of disorders, but this has become, you know, my area, my niche. So if a patient comes in with anything that's related to this, and then if they end up on someone else's caseload accidentally, most of my other therapists would be like, wait a minute, you know, this is something more Susan really needs to take a look at this patient because we think something else is going on. So yeah, my therapists have all been trained to know enough. You know, and we all know enough. I know what I don't know. I'm not a fluency expert. So yes, I can tell that somebody might be disfluent. They might have issues, but that's not my forte. So I don't think I'm necessarily the best therapist to treat them. It's allowed me to focus on the areas that I feel the most comfortable with and that I can help the patients the most with. And I think that's a, a major misconception, at least from some of the SLPs that I speak with, is they think they need to, if they're trying to increase caseload, they need to start taking different clients with different disorders just because they're trying to fill the caseload. But 
to have that specialization and to know how you can perform your best work and advocate for those specific needs. It's just, there, there's no scarcity. There's plenty of people, whether it's adults, pediatrics, who have these certain disorders and they'll be able to fill caseload accordingly. And it's also like my motto and I tell all my therapists and all my patients, it's about quality, not quantity. So I wanna make sure that we're giving quality treatment to a patient. So yes, I'm technically qualified to see anybody who needs speech, but am I really giving them the best program? Am I doing the best for what they need if that's not really an area that I know enough about? It's not my area of expertise. So I like to really make sure that we are giving every patient that individualized program and, you know, the opportunity to succeed the best we can. So Share with us a little bit more about Professional Speech Associates. How many therapists do you have working with you? We have about 10 to 12 speech therapists, and um, we also coordinate with occupational and physical therapy, the same um, location. We see everything, you know, as far as, like we said, pediatrics, that's our specialty. So we might be treating, we treat a huge autistic population. We do have voice disorders, fluency, like we mentioned, it's a different language, augmentative communication, some patients that need sign language. And there, is, I do have a therapist that works with me, fluent in sign language. So again, why would I be treating that patient if she would be the best person, you know, to help that patient out? I see other patients, but my focus is really on the oral motor, the feeding, both with babies, I and you know, older children and teenagers. And I actually treat adults, but only for the orofacial myology issues. It's expanded my referral base. I work a lot with various dentists orthodontists, oral surgeons, ENTs. It's just opened up a whole new world. We have some pretty good systems in place as far as getting patients to the right person to help working really on a team approach. And I work on that with all those doctors that we really want to make sure that we're addressing any of the concerns the patient has and giving them the most that they need for them to improve and get better. That's always a concern that I hear from other maybe younger practitioners just starting out or even those who are experienced and looking to grow caseload. I think you framed it in such a wonderful way that you have this team approach and whether it's with all these different white coat professionals, you have your dentist, your orthodontists, et cetera. What are some of the systems that you've implemented to build these partnerships? So, I mean, I have to admit marketing never was my strong suit, never something that I was like, rah, rah, let me get out there and market. You learn to do it. And once you're comfortable in certain situations, you can just really go from there. You meet one doctor and you tell them what your concern or what your area of expertise and you know what your concerns are for your patients and then you start building that trust I mean you really need to have a trust with all the other professionals you're working with and I mean I work with orthodontists dentists oral surgeons ENTs I have a PT that I work with that specializes in jaw disorders and chiropractors and anything I mean that you know might enhance what the patient needs and some of us have been you know we talk a lot about what's best for the patient. We don't want them running to five different people. We want to be able to say, okay, they landed in my office. These are my recommendations. Let me refer you to somebody who can help you with this. Or if they come from the orthodontist office, the orthodontist is telling them, hey, I want to help you 
but I can't really fix everything that's going on unless we have somebody like Susan involved in the situation that can guide you, you know, with say exercises and tasks in order for us to do a better job, the orthodontia. So that's what we, we've just built. And I'm very fortunate that I have this amazing, you know, group of professionals that I get to work with in this area. I always laugh. I'm like, I could never move at this point because when you've got that team and you've got that comfort level with people, like why would you want anything different? And again, it's always what we can do best for the patient and how we can guide them. And yes, I'm the one that works the most, I would say, in my office with all these different professionals. But any of my therapists, you know, if they feel like, you know what, somebody could benefit from a chiropractor from a PT, if it's a postural issue that's affecting what's going on with the patient, or if there's, you know, anything else, we're just all about, you know, what's going to be best for the patient. I, I, I would rather have a patient go somewhere else and they're getting the best care than try to have a patient that we're seeing that we're just not doing the best we can for them. So that's why we try to go that extra little bit to just get them the best care that they need. Right. And it's, it's so empowering for the client, especially I would imagine a lot of these, if it's the pediatric population, many of these parents have never gone through this experience before. So when they're looking for other professionals to help provide the best care for their family, they want to turn to you, the expert who knows this world and can refer them to these experts to provide the best care. So, I mean, I get that all the time. I'll get a parent or I'll, I'll get a patient who's like, I only want to go to the best. And I'm like, well, these are the people I work with, you know, and I can name two or three that specialize in what you need. But, you know, you are always going to deal with the parent who's like, let me go ask my friends. Sometimes I'm like, okay, people want to get an opinion from somewhere else. But, you know, when you're looking for a certain degree of expertise, I would think you would go to somebody who's the expert and at least go take some of their suggestions and go meet some of those referrals that they're recommending you go to. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And what are some of the ways that you stay on top of this expertise and knowing the latest research in regards to treatment techniques or recommendations on strategies? Are there any other things offered through the IAOM that benefit you? So the IAOM does a yearly conference and I try to go whenever I can. So I was there the last couple of years. So there's always, you know, learning ability there. They do have for some classes, especially now that are going to be online in order to get my certification, had to do a 28 hour intensive course to start. And I've actually done a few of those just to get, you know, different exposure to different instructors and um, different ideas and techniques. But, you you know, we have study groups, you can always just post questions in some of those study groups and somebody can come forth, possibly an answer. I like to say, I know what I don't know. There are times when I might just call one of my orthodontists and say, explain this to me because I'm not sure about this new device. Or I might talk to one of my ENTs and say, you know, what do you think about this? Do you think we should go this route or that route? So it's really that communication that really helps. Right. And I think what's really nice about the IAOM is it's a multidisciplinary association effect that its members are not just SLPs. There's, dent there's dentists, there's orthodontists, you're dealing with experts and it's an international organization. So you're learning techniques right. and practices around the globe. And registered dental hygienists are part of it too. And we all, I think, bring something different to the table and can learn a lot from each other to also make it like a nice team approach. Yeah. Team mentality is the most powerful. 
it's really hard to be isolated and operate in your own silo, but you have this collaboration in the community that all supports each other and there's no shortage of people seeking these services. So you learn the best treatments. And, and there are articles, articles, books, you know, there's always something new you could be reading, whether it's just a case study or whether it's a book that someone's put out. I mean, I, I've read books that have been put out by people I'm actually friends with. That's kind of cool. Say, hey, I've got some celebrity friends, you know, that are published authors. So do they, that, do they give you an autograph? Do they give you an autograph yeah, I copy? I keep saying I want autographed copies of everything. You know, it's interesting, like we take student interns semesters and then when you're trying to show them things or teach them things and you say, hey, why don't you look at this book? And you say, oh, my friend wrote that book. And they're going, really? Your friend? I'm like, yep, my friend wrote that book. So it's, <laughs> it's kind of neat. Yeah, yes, I'm not publishing anything anytime soon, so I'm just going to live vicariously through all my friends. Well, we know how busy of a schedule you have, and so that's a wonderful transition to talk about another association that you are actually currently the president of, APSPA, yes. which again stands for the American Academy of Private Practice and Speech Pathology and Audiology. Share with us, if you will, a little bit about the mission behind APSPA and what you all look to do and advocate for private practitioners. So let me just start with... Um, I became a private practice owner kind of by accident how many years ago. I happened to be working for somebody who was just kind of like, hey, I'm moving. I'm selling my practice. Don't you want to buy it? And I went, huh? I would never want to own a private practice. Like, how's that going to happen? But it, it definitely, like, I always joke, and I know my friends joke too, we went to school to be speech pathologists. We did not go to school to be business owners. So I might have a master's degree in speech pathology, but I certainly didn't get my master's in business. Business. And, you know, you learn things along the way and you work with accountants and attorneys and different people. But, you know, we sort of, we get by. And then years ago, I somehow was introduced to APSPA. And it's literally been life-changing because now I'm part of a group of individuals who are all me. Like we all have the same questions, the same concerns. You might be a solo practitioner. You might own a multidisciplinary practice you might just own a large speech practice, whatever it is, the support um, and the things that I have learned from being part of this organization ha has just been mind blowing. I mean, I'm a totally different person as far as being a business owner than I was when I started just based on the fact that I've had this exposure to people who are just, like I said, we're all in the same boat. We're all doing the same thing. We're all trying to be successful with both being practitioners and private practice owners. Some of us might be at different levels of where we're at and again, different types of practices, but we're there to support each other. And I have felt that for years. We have an annual conference usually. And what we did um, a few years ago, president at the time, um, Amy Weatherall made the decision like, why are we trying to offer courses and classes and things that anybody can do? Like anybody can say, come in, come to a conference and learn about fluency, learn about voice disorders, learn about language. But where do you get that business ownership? Like, where, how do you learn how to best run your business? 
and learn from people who are running businesses. And they might not be people that are running a speech business, but they're running a business and they teach you how to be a business owner, a boss, how to deal HR issues and how to make money. Basically nothing that you can't possibly learn, you know, from this organization. So it, it's been an amazing thing to be part of. And um, that's really, I can't even tell you, it's, it's been a rough presidency having to uh, go through COVID-19 with all of this and have to keep everybody running smoothly. We did have to cancel our annual conference this year, which was devastating. We hated to cancel it because the knowledge that we get from that beyond anything that we could imagine this year. But what we saw right away was the way people stepped up. You know, we all were thrown into teletherapy. A lot of us had never done it before. Every day, all day, people were just researching and sharing. I mean, nobody was like, oh, I'm not going to share that information. We're not each other's competition. We're each other's support system. So somebody would learn something about, you know, boom cards, you know, and they'd start presenting it. Um, I had members contacting me and saying, can I do a Zoom meeting on this, that, and everything else? I mean, people are sharing information on a daily basis saying, hey, I just learned about this. If you try this, you could do this. And just like an amazing support system that I couldn't have even imagined. I mean, I thought it was great before, but the way people have stepped up during this time has just been mind blowing. Let's unpack a little bit first. One thing that jumped out to me with when you're explaining more about APSPA was again, the key I heard in there, the team approach. You talked about the benefit from the clinical side, being a part of IAOM and working with all those who focus within your specialty. And then you pivoted and talked about the team approach within the business side. And you mentioned that you didn't learn this in your master's degree. There was no finance 101 during your CFY or collaboration. And you've had to build this other team for your business ownership. Mm -hmm. And that includes your CPA, your attorney, your insurance professionals, your banking relationship. There's the list goes on and on, but you build this team approach because as you said, you know what you know but you're able to defer to those who excel in certain areas. What was it like establishing a professional team from the business side? So, I mean, that's obviously when, you, when you're starting a business, you learn right away. You've got to get with an accountant, obviously one you trust, an attorney. What type of corporation are you forming? That whole business end of it, I mean, I knew nothing about when I started. So, you know, there were the basics of getting started with that. And then, you know, learning, hiring people. And how, how do you do that? Do you hire them as salaries? Do you hire them as contractors? What are the different responsibilities? What are the legal ramifications? What are the tax ramifications? I mean, all these things that who would have thought, you know, you have to worry about, you know, learning, getting advice on your rent and and what should your monthly expenses be versus what your income is and, and having to learn to balance that so that you're not just going to work every day just to pay the bills, but that you want to make, you know, a living from it too. It's been a lot. It's definitely a lot to learn. And I, like I say, I feel like every day is a new adventure and I learn something new all the time. I still, to this day, I don't think I know everything about speech pathology and I definitely don't know everything about business. You know, having the people that you know and trust that you can go to to give you advice, a huge part of that has really become APSPA because someone's been through it. You know, if you're posting a question or a concern or 
something happened at your office. I mean, you're dealing with 300 other people who have a practice who someone's been through it and you can get that personal perspective recommendation and can really kind of guide you who you should speak to. One of APSPA's benefits is we have an attorney does consults. So, you know, having access to someone who's a business attorney, they, they specialize in answering, you know, specific questions related to business, contracts, disputes, employee issues. I mean, you just can't even imagine like some days you're just like really is that my problem too but again you know there are many benefits to having your own practice I mean like I, I joke that after all the jobs I've had over the years I learned all the things I did want to do if I had my own practice and all the things I didn't want to do so you sort of had like a trial and error you say I would never do what they did at that place but I love the fact that they did this when I worked at that place so you sort of get to just put it together. And yes, you get to make your own decisions. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's pressure, but you know, you're making the decision of how you want people to perceive you and your practice. And I think it's really empowering in so many ways that you're talking about just being part of a trusted group of individuals who are doing exactly the same thing you are on a day in and day out basis. And when, even though I say exactly the same, it's exactly different. And it's Correct. the collaboration. And you mentioned being able to post in a group or a safe place to share your ideas and not feel marginalized by posting to people whom you don't know. And share a little bit more about that, if you will, about being able to collaborate directly with others going through the same types of successes as well as the same type of struggles. So the fact that you have different ideas, because you know everybody has a different experience, a different idea, but like you touched on, it's a trusted network of people, a trusted group. And um, you know, somebody they might not have the answer exactly for what you're going through, but they can sort of guide you in the right direction. So there are times, you know, you can say, okay, I had an issue with an insurance company. I mean, just something really basic or how about an employee I'm having trouble with this employee who's refusing to show up. Somebody else has been through it and they may have just said to you, Hey, you know what? You're going to have to contact an attorney for this one. You know, this is like above our scope, but somebody might say, Hey, when I had that, this is what I did. Or I spoke to the employee and said this or that, you know, it, it, it's someone, like you said, who it, it's like you're part of a class that all went through a similar thing together. Again, I, I can't necessarily help each person and what they're specifically going through, but amongst the 300 people that are looking at the listserv, somebody's going to have some direction for you. You're not starting just from scratch and trying to figure something out and go, oh my God, where do I turn, you know, first? So, I mean, I, th I think, I think it's something that most business owners need to learn over time is you have a finite amount of energy and we spent the first part of our conversation talking about the clinical side. Now we've been talking about being a business owner. You talked about marketing and joking that you didn't go to school or have any direct marketing, but you've built this network of other trusted professionals that you work with. So right there, we're naming three different hats. You have a personal life you have all of these different aspects of your life and it's a lot to take on by yourself and being able to delegate and being able to share amongst others and take some of that off your plate. Is that something you were comfortable with at the beginning of your career? Did it take you some time to learn how to do that? Well, I, th I think when we all start off, we all think we kind of know everything, you know? I mean, you're just like, hey, you know what? I've got my master's degree. I know the answer to that. And um, pretty quickly, you find out that you don't know everything. And um, 
it, it's actually kind of funny now when you do have a student or you interview a, a new therapist and um, they've got all these ideas, you know, and you're just like, okay. Or one of my favorite questions to ask when I'm interviewing a new person is, you know, what are your strengths? You know, what are your weaknesses? What do you consider your areas of expertise? And um, I've learned over the years, the person that says I can do everything isn't the person that you really want working with you. Nobody knows everything. One of us knows everything about whether it's our career, our knowledge. We just, we don't know everything. We might know something, we may have been through it, but yes, I mean, being able to turn towards a group of people, like you said, that you know have been through it, it's a whole different story. I mean, you can talk to your friends who, you might have a friend who works in a nursing home who can relate to something that happened with your patient, but can they relate to the same thing that happened with your employee or a financial question, you know, or somebody who's working for a hospital, a nursing home, a school doesn't deal with the same legal issues or insurance issues. You know, they go in, they see their patients and they're done. Whereas we still have to deal with the insurance end of it. You know, we have to deal with patients that, you know, are difficult, you know, not that other people don't deal with that difficult patient, but we're kind of like the last line. So somebody comes to me and says, oh, this parent's really irate about, you know, whatever. We have to deal with that and keep the patient happy. And it could be that they're just annoyed because the therapist didn't take the kid early that day and the patient was acting out in the waiting room. You know, again, it's just being able to talk to that person and and I definitely, I'm not perfect being a business owner, being whatever, but I've learned different things of how to pacify and deal with different situations and try to de-escalate people or just the things that people would want to hear to make them feel comfortable. And we've always been a small enough practice that pretty much everybody knows who I am. So if they have a concern or you know, I love it when they come with a compliment, you know, they'll just pass me and they'll be like, oh, I've been meaning to talk to you. Such and such, you know, is seeing my kid and I'm so thrilled with the progress. You know, I think that's something that you learn being on this side. Give people compliments too. Even anything, like I've learned now when I deal with customer service people. You know, you're on the phone, you're so frustrated, you're dealing with an insurance company. But when you say thank you, just like it's not really their fault when something's not going the right way. So we want that same thing also. You know, we don't, I don't want to always have a parent coming to me or someone complaining. But my schedule is this, and how come the therapist gave me too much homework, not enough homework, you know, this and that come to me and say, hey, I'm so happy with the progress that my child is making. That That's what's rewarding, you know, being a private practice owner. Right. I, I think, especially as a business owner, there's some overlooked things. And I'll focus on the last thing that you talked about, just the customer experience. And what does your waiting room look like? Is it appropriate for the setting that you're looking in? Have you actually invested in that? Do you have the technology? Do you have a comfortable environment for the parent while they're waiting for the services? Correct. And, and that's, and, and again, now, now we're in a new age, so everything is changing right now. And, you know, that's actually been a challenge these last couple months because what do you do about your waiting room that you used to have filled with people and siblings and all these things? And that we've sort of gotten through a lot of that together through APSPA again. I mean, I know I keep going back to that, but it, it's really been huge. And I think it's critical because imagine being on, being on your own island, if you will, opposed to now you have a group of hundreds, you said, hundreds of like 300 members, yes. 300 practitioners who overnight had to become teletherapy experts. 
you can sit yeah. and you can try and Google it on your own. You can try and become an expert or you can learn from your brothers and sisters going through the same exact things that you are. Somebody's going to figure it out, whether directly or indirectly, they might stumble into it. They might've been preparing for this all along, but they'll have these experts and they'll have this opinion and to be able to save you the time and the energy, uh, just again, to be part of a forum and a group larger than yourself really just relieves a huge burden. Things that we never thought of lately. I mean, the guidelines that we now have to follow, you know, for opening um, under the current circumstances, materials and things. I mean, I joke, I feel like I shop every day just for items so that we can safely open. But these are the discussions that are happening every day amongst my APSPA peers. People are putting forms together because we need to have new forms now that we never thought we were going to need. We needed consent for telehealth and we need informed consent now to let people come back into the office and questions we have to ask about their health history now every single time they come in, people have stepped up and some people have designed forms that they've just put out there for all of us to share. They're like, hey, I got this done. Anybody needs this form, just use it. The time that that saves everybody else by being able to say, hey, someone took the lead and looked at that and helped me, you know, get done what I need to get done. I mean, it's like priceless. It's really, and not everybody thinks of the same things. So the fact that, you know, we're pooling our knowledge, so to say, to get through something so crazy right now, you know, has been amazing. Certainly sounds like it. And for everything that everyone has to deal with, especially in these unforeseeable times and there's no end date in sight, it's just really empowering to everyone. So one question that I'm curious about is from your business ownership experience, since you didn't receive necessarily a formal education in it, what's the best advice you ever received about either being a business owner or just financial advice in general? Mm, that's tricky because there, there's so much, you know, so to, to sort of narrow it down. Yes, you have to have patience, but, you know, they have to be paying also. So, you know, that, that's important. You know, sometimes you, you have to learn that you're not necessarily when you deal with insurance in a business where you get paid immediately. So go to the grocery store, you have to pay for the services, you know, you have to pay for your groceries on the spot. Unless a patient is a private pay patient, you're not going to get that money. They come in if you're dealing with, I have to bill insurance and there's going to be a delay on that. So learning to understand that counts, even if the money is going to come in later. Learning to manage accounts receivables, your statement of cash flow, and even though money is due to you, making sure that you have cash on hand for, in your case, to pay your employees, to pay your rent, to pay your utilities, your fixed expenses, your variable expenses. Really important, just how a lot of people are familiar with budgeting from a personal standpoint, right? You have your monthly income, you get your paycheck twice a month and you pay your expenses and then whatever's left. But it's important from a business that you have that same budgeting mentality where you have expected earnings Correct. and income, but maybe there's an insurance dispute, like you said, and you're not going to get paid in a net 30. Maybe they're going to push it out to a net 90. I've heard stories about clinicians waiting 360 to get paid over a year to get paid on certain claims that were filed. So there might be hurdles in the long run, but having appropriate cash on hand, really important. Yeah. I mean, you you have to know that you can't just buy whatever you want because if the money's not there, yes, we're all told to save for a rainy day. I don't think any of us, um, if you had asked 
anybody four months ago what life was going to look like now. There's not one of us that would have said we were going to be dealing with this. I know when we started our shutdown, we thought we were going to be closed for two weeks. And that stressed me out. So I'm like, oh, you know, what are we going to do? It's two weeks and not all the patients are going to be able to do teletherapy, but we've had to go with it. And yes, we have a lot of patients that either chose not to do teletherapy because it was too much work for them. The kids having to be schooled at the same time, you know, and, and really figuring out, like we said, you know, what to do expense wise, learning about loans and things that we never in a million years thought we'd be looking at topics and things like this. So, um, it's been a challenge, but you know, I think what it's done is it's made all of us even stronger in the sense that we want to succeed right now. You know, we, we joke, it's like pre-COVID, you know, I was doing really great and now, you know, I got to get my numbers back to where they were pre-COVID. So I think we all recognize that it's going to take a little more time. This is not like we're just stepping right back into where we were before, but this is such uncharted territory. Thank God I'm not there by myself, you know, because I, it would be even more overwhelming if I had to figure this out all on my own. Completely. And I think it's just regardless of the association, regardless of the membership, being able to have that trusted network of people, again, either personally, professionally, from a business owner standpoint, knowing who you can trust and who you can talk to and having advocates for you that maybe proactively will submit ideas to you when you're mentioning talking to others and jumping onto a forum. So we're all about taking action on the SLP Money Podcast, as our listeners know. And so we'd like to share some action items for them, if you will, Susan, about what you think would be most beneficial to them in order to take action, improve their private practices and continue to grow them. So from our conversation, number one, I would say is join some type of network. It can be an Absolutely. online, it, in today's world, it would be an online forum. I don't think that there are any conferences going on person to person. So even if you haven't specialized in a niche and you don't know if you want to join something like the IAOM or even APSPA, there's so many public forums available to you. You might not necessarily have the trust within those forums, but you can submit questions. You can elicit feedback and start gaining opinions on what is appropriate, what's not appropriate. Just answers to your question. I mean, also, and this was hard for me when I first started, you know, being part of a group like APSPA or the IOM, you're always nervous about asking that question. You know, you're like, I don't want people to think I don't know the answer. I don't want anybody to be like, oh, look at her. You know, she, she can't do this by herself. It's knowing that no one's judging you. So you never know who the person is that's going to help you. It could be somebody who just graduated. It could be somebody who's been in the field for 30 years, but there's someone out there who can help you without judging you. So I don't feel like I'm being judged when I go and I ask a question or, you know, somebody else puts something out there and says, hey, I just wanted to share this information. A lot of times you just put it in the subject line. If somebody doesn't know anything about it, they're just not going to answer it. You know, putting something out there and just putting in, you know, how to deal with loan information and then anybody who was dealing with the same thing can deal with that. You know, right now we're all dealing with the insurances again. Not everybody approved teletherapy going, you know, indefinitely. So you know, it helps. I mean, do we have time to call each insurance company, but somebody's out there calling them. So if you say, Hey, has anybody heard from this insurance company? Do we know what the, the situation is going to be? But 
just in general with your clinical questions, you know, I, I don't feel like somebody's judging me. I just feel, and actually I shouldn't just say clinical. It could be a clinical question, a financial question, any sort of business question. Somebody, you know, will know that answer in there. And if they don't, they might know someone who does. So number two that I took away from you today was using a team approach, both professionally and clinically. So Correct. let's start with the professional first. There are professionals who will help you since we'll reiterate, we know you didn't go to business school and we know that you didn't necessarily have the background to start a business, but you are most likely now a business owner or you aspire to own a business, a private practice someday. So that's building your network, bankers, CPAs, attorneys, insurance professionals, financial planners. And then on the clinical side, maybe you don't have a niche or maybe you don't have a specialty yet. Maybe it's orofacial myology, maybe it's AAC, maybe it's swallowing. You go through these different learning experiences and you figure it out over time. Well, I mean, how many times are we just at the office? Well, normally when we're at the office that someone says, hey, you know, I was treating whoever the other day and I can't get them, you know, to easily do this, 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 or this. That, that's our professional networking too, because you can throw it out there to four other therapists and you're going to get four different ideas of how to address whatever that goal was, that was a little bit more challenging. So someone has tried it, or even if that doesn't work, they, we have ideas and you know, then, then you've got a few more things you can try. And if they didn't work, then we go back to the drawing board. But I, I've, I mean, listen, I think solo practitioners do an amazing job. I like to rely on other people. So even when I've been on my own doing something, just knowing who I can pick up the phone to call, um, who's a, another clinician who specialized in something that's not my area of expertise that I can say, guide me here, you know, give me some ideas to try something different that will help this patient be more successful. So I, I think that's as important, you know, and it Absolutely. could be somebody in your office, or like you said, you're picking up the phone and calling someone in another state who you just happen to know, or someone who works at another facility that would have that answer for you. Yeah, totally. And I the third major takeaway and action item that I took away from today is really network in your community and put yourself out there without expecting something in return. Correct. There's so many different professionals who can advocate for you to help you grow that caseload, whether it's school districts, doctors, dentists, places of worship, so many people that are leaders in the community. If you can provide services, even if it's volunteering information, hosting in today's world, Zoom webinars, just providing information and being really looked upon as a trusted resource to the community, that will only reinforce action item number two of building that clinical team and working with that network of other professionals. And you just need that one person. I mean, you, you know, you can meet a pediatrician as I mean, they could send you one patient six months from the time you met them that one patient's happy, then that patient's going back to their pediatrician and saying, oh my God, I went to that office and I love that therapist. Um, and then that gets you going, even if it didn't happen right away. So don't, there's no opportunity that's not worth it. You know, I, I've gone, I've done lunches, I've just popped into offices. I've met people at other offices. You know, someone's having a grand opening or a holiday party and you just talk to the other professionals there. Um, they're going to remember that. You shared a story like, with me in, in the pre-recording about that even when you're on an airplane and you're flying and you run into... You know, if you're coming from a location headed back to your own territory, wherever you live, they live, might live there too. You strike up a conversation and that's become, I believe it was an orthodontist who's now become part of your 
referral it was a network. dentist. Yeah. yeah. We, we ended up sitting, we were just somehow we were in line together to board something was said and we realized, you know, that we pretty much, you know, are specializing in something similar. And um, we ended up talking the whole plane ride home, you know, and it was just like a great professional um, contact. Like how would that have ever happened? And imagine um, if you, again, the power of specialization, had you just said, I'm a speech language pathologist, he might've said, oh, okay. And not asked any additional questions, but finding that synergy among your overlapping treatment techniques. Yeah, it was, it, it started out very general. I'm a dentist, I'm a speech pathologist. And then it became, oh, what do you specialize in? You know, so that, that was really interesting. Yeah, and it's somebody who actually lives like in my town and has an office like 30 minutes away. So um, that was, you know, there, there's always something you just, you never know. Just like they always say, you always have to be on your best behavior because you just never know who's around. You just never know who could you know, guide you somewhere or possibly become a referral source or someone who could just give you recommendations professionally. Couldn't agree more. So Susan, thank you so much for joining us today. If people want to find out more information about APSPA or contact you, how, how can they find you? Um, so I know it's APSPA.org and you can go to that and you can look at the website. You can apply to be a member. Um, you must be a private practitioner. You must be treating, you know, at least one patient a week. You have to have started your practice already. Um, we do try, we do post some things on Facebook. Um, we are in some of the groups that we try to, um, you know, get the word out there. We had been scheduled also to be at ASHA Connect, which obviously is not happening. But um, we, we try to get out to things like that, conventions like that, where we can introduce ourselves and just talk more about all the benefits of being an APSPA member. Yes, um, I mentioned there's an attorney benefit. There is the active list served daily um, that you know, you'll have access to all these people. There's annual spring conference, which usually get about 20 hours. Um, and again, all really focusing on how to do better, you know, with your business and how to grow your practice. I'm trying to think what else we have, but, um, and just like a, a great network of people. Sounds wonderful. So head on over if you're interested to APSPA, A-A-P-P-S-P-A.org for more information. And Susan, thank you so much for being a guest today and look forward to catching up with you again sometime soon. Thank you so much for inviting me and I'm happy to be part of this. Thanks again, Craig. All right. It's our pleasure and uh, we'll talk to you soon and thanks for tuning in today and we'll catch you on the next episode of SLP Money. You've been listening to SLP Money hosted by Craig Goldslager. Want even more ideas on how to make smart financial decisions? Head on over to the Learning Center at utterlyfinancial.com, where you'll find more information for SLPs and private practice owners. While there, you can also schedule a complimentary 30-minute consultation with Craig. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, which will help more people discover SLP money. Thanks so much for listening. Materials discussed is for general and informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investing advice. While the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individuals' situations may vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual and professional advice. Craig Goldslager is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 
to South Biscayne Boulevard, Suite 1740, Miami, Florida, 33131, 305-371-6333. Securities, products, and financial services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Utterly Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Craig Goldsliger does not maintain specialized licenses or qualifications for the financial services provided to speech language pathologists and private practice professionals. California Insurance License 0K78754, expiration 2020102225.